All right, welcome to Guys Who Do Stuff. I am one half of the Guys Who Do Stuff, Joe. And I'm the other half, Josh. Really excited about this week's episode. We had an awesome guest, David Morgan, talked a lot about the importance of just starting something. Mm -hmm. Are you a starter or are you a finisher? I've always been a starter and I've always been a finisher. But it's the in-between part that I've always been challenged by. Let's get with it here. Come on, get real. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of starting stuff, I say we get into this episode. Let's get our shovels out and dig in. Guys who do stuff. You can do it. You can do it all night long. Get stuff done. Get stuff done. Stuff, 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 and stuff. Man, I am really getting stuff done. <laughs> Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Plenty of stuff that guy. What do you guys think you're impressing with this stuff? Powerful stuff. Are you are you rolling? Always be rolling. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to, we record the interview first. And then when you leave, we hang around and do the intro. So we talk about you and then we, we we build you up. Very nice. Yeah, but We're we're not fluffers. We we probably already, (laughs) we probably already, uh, man, I got a loud laugh. My daughter was making fun of me for that. She said, your laugh is more like a scream. And she went straight to a dark place. She's like, dad, when I do your funeral, I'm going to talk about your laugh. (laughs) Whoa. Hey. I'm not doing that bad. I mean, <laughs> you bring joy to the world with your laugh. Yeah. Or ruin movies. I've well, gotten a lot of dirty looks in movie theaters. Oh, boy. It was good. You back away from the microphone when that happens. <laughs> I'll try. All right. Well, today I'm super excited. Second guest on the show. Josh, you know him better than me. Why don't you just set him up here a little bit? We just met. Welcome to my basement. Glad to be here. David Morgan, man, what what can I say? When you spend 15 hours on an airplane with somebody, you, you kind of get to know them, like right? Best friends. Yeah. That's a long flight. Well, he's he's friends with a guy named Carson and Carson was so awesome. And the two of them together was like dynamite. And it's just so much fun. We went to Africa, to Zambia to work on an amazing project that David and his wife, Bethany, are just full throttle involved with. And it was so inspiring to be in Zambia, Africa with them and come home and then see how what we did makes a difference in people's lives all the way around the world in a place that's so different from ours. So, yeah, we look forward to hearing more about that. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. Well, let's start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, David. Well, uh, I like to say I'm an attorney by trade, but entrepreneur at heart. So I guess uh, my day job is I'm an attorney, a business partner, and I, we started our own law firm back in 2016 in my hometown of Fuquay Varina. Um, oh, Fuquay Varina. Oh, yeah. It's the worst name, I think, <laughs> in the triangle. It sounds filthy, <laughs> but the people there seem delightful. Yeah. It makes people happy. And this, that's fair. Yeah. 540 is coming, everybody. So it's going to be a whole new world. It's true. Yeah. It's, How it's long true. have you been in Fuquay? So ever since I was born. Um, so you're one of the few natives. I'm one to of the, the area. very few natives. Although I've technically lived in Garner for like the past seven years. Okay. But, we won't tell Fuquay. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you met your wife at, uh, tell that story a little bit. How did you meet your wife? Yeah. So we were in the same friend group, um, in high school there in Fuquay Brina high school and we're hanging out, didn't know each other, like, you know, on a one-on-one basis, a lot of our friends went to NC state. Um, we started hanging out there and then I think it was sophomore year of state. We started to date. I think a lot of our high school friends viewed us as like an unlikely couple, but okay. Uh, like, yeah. like why she's like much hotter than you. Is that what you're getting? At? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's just we had built up a friend relationship 
So it was, and maybe that's how it always happens, right? I've only fallen in love once, but, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It was just like, oh no, that's just my really good friend. Yeah. You know? And I think that's how, you know, the relationship was and that's how everyone saw us. So when we like started to date, people were like, oh, that's weird. They're really good friends. But I mean, I guess that's how it always happens. So, yeah. What was a know. good date? In Fuquay Varina back when, so what was this like 99 ish somewhere back there? Oh, cow tipping, oh, cow tipping was all the <laughs> what rage. What was going on back in Fuquay? It's like, all right, we're going on a date. What's your wife's name? Bethany. All right, Bethany. Okay. You're, how old so, are you when you guys started dating? <laughs> um, we were about 20. All right. I'm trying to get the picture. So 20 yeah. year old. Yeah. And I was definitely not 20 in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Did I just reveal how old I am? Or feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, <laughs> I was 18 in 99. Ooh. Uh, okay. Well, I was 10. I'm not going to pretend that didn't hurt a little bit. <laughs> It's like everyone takes it like now I feel like the young gun. So, I mean, you guys are the, you know, the guys doing it. Well, know? let me ask you this question. Yeah, this sure. is a very serious question. Okay. okay. Did you have that beard in high school? <laughs> uh, no, I did not. So that's why a bunch of people don't recognize me. They're like, who's this guy? That's because I didn't have this beard. Sorry, my dogs are playing with each other and barking. Is that, is that a vision you had when you were younger that the beard to have a beard? No. And I didn't think I could grow one. And it started with no shave November. And then like a couple months later, it was like, okay, this is actually a real beard. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You're the second guest we've had and the second guest with a full beard, right? Mm. So should we change the name of this show to guys with beards who do stuff? Well, eventually I think that might be limiting because I would really like to interview women. And I feel like it would be a lot harder to mm. find a bearded lady. That's fair. well, <laughs> no, and, and more back to the point here, right? So you were motivated by no shave Movember, right? Was Correct. It? Okay. So you were a man motivated by causes. It sounds like that's true. That's interesting, right? I'm reading into the beard. Now the motivation mm -hmm. for uh -huh. the CCC. I was oh, so sorry. So, the, uh, so I'm just still curious. I want to get us back to a 20 year old in the bustling metropolis of Fuqua Verena. Right. <laughs> Odd couple. People didn't think you like, what was a good date night activity back then for yeah, you guys? Yeah, let's, let's get so it wasn't in Fuquay because at this time we're students, right? So, you know, we would come back to Fuquay, but most date nights were at that time. This is embarrassing, but like Chili's or, you know, I feel oh, like that sounds really that. boring now, but. Oh, Chili's is the bomb. I, I, <laughs> it's still around, isn't it? It's not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but could be, right? Um, yeah, I feel Chili's. like we went to the movies a lot. We went to the, back then it was like the $1.50 theater over on Western Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Uh, that place Which was they great. just changed. If you live in the Triangle and you're trying to go see a cheap movie, it used to still be like two fifty up until like mm -hmm. three or four months ago. And I went on Yelp oh. and they were getting all these low reviews. And they started showing first run movies and it's regular price now oh no he's just like i can't afford to see a movie at these prices <laughs> you know what the experience is where it's at downtown carry the renovated arts theater where the movies and the shows are played they're, they're they've got shows for valentine's day they've got the um, oscar nominated films there that's a great place okay. to, to yeah i haven't play. seen a movie there yet but yeah. i've been to the coffee shop inside of it a bunch of times really yeah. cool so yeah. yeah bohemian rhapsody is playing this saturday night i think what date night there yeah the one about freddie mercury oh i haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah but i've heard that's awesome yeah. yeah, me too. I've heard it's awesome. Well, very cool. So, so yeah, you ended up going to NC State. I did. Yeah. I think my that date story was pretty boring. We didn't do much. <laughs> but, I, but, but I will say, I was going to say that $1.50 theater, we used to sneak cookout trays into the theater 
And that was like one of the date nights that we remember that we like look fondly on. Hey, we, we used to sneak cookout trays into a theater. You know? but, <laughs> and cookout has an odor. Like you weren't getting away with that. No, the other people knew, but <laughs> they they knew that's why they were there too. They're not paying full price. They probably yeah. had their own candy in their pockets. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I also uh, started, well, I started dating my wife uh, really young, small town as well, but rural Michigan. And uh, we did a lot of the same kind of stuff. Like I remember Chili's and movies. And the first movie we went to go see was um, Val Kilmer in The Saint. Mm. And that was our first date. I was 15. I hadn't turned 16 yet. And my wife Mm. was like uh, two years older and uh, I did not know it was a date. And so I wore like blue sweatpants and my little league Jersey and we were walking around before the movie and I bought like a Chinese yo-yo and I was like hitting her in their head with it. Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah. Oh wow. Really just started out on a great foot with that one. Oh my gosh. When my wife was pregnant, she was not feeling well. So we were living in California and I said, let's go for a ride, baby. So I took her on a Canyon road, big mistake. Ooh. Did, did yeah. you ride a motorcycle? No. Oh, you We say. drove her Toyota. <laughs> yeah. I just want to point out the contrast between those two stories. One person <laughs> was hitting their wife in the head with a toy and it was dressed in sweatpants. And yeah. another one was on a what I'm imagining to be a gorgeous road on a California coast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, with the windows down. And, he, and we got us sneaking in cookout into it. I mean, it just right. goes to show you there's just a lot of ways to get to the love of your life. I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're feeling discouraged and you're like, man, I blew that date. Right. Take this, courage. It's my 20th anniversary this summer. This moment That's brought awesome. to you by Bailey's Fine Jewelry <laughs> because every woman wants a Bailey's box. Not a sponsor. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. David Morgan and I met in a, how did we meet? You want to talk about that a second and that coincidence? I know that you invited me to a B&I meeting. Um, but, oh, but, yeah. but, but we met actually before we, that, right? We met at a B&I meeting at Outback Steakhouse. That's what it was. And you were a guest and I was a guest. What are the odds? Are Wait, you a, no, no, no. I'm a member of that one. Oh, you are a member yeah, of that yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we've set the okay. record straight. <laughs> so BNI is a networking group, if you don't know. So it's like local business guys. They join up, they network, they help each other. Um, it's not just guys. It's also women. Business Network International. It's in all these uh, countries. Yep. And it started in Pasadena, California in 1984 by a guy called Dr. Ivan Meisner. Wow. wow. Am I saying that correctly? Like Wikipedia. I don't know. You God, did that without a computer. I thought he was going to research that. Yeah, yeah. He has a podcast on networking that's, that's dang good also. So, and they are not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a theme throughout the show. But uh, yeah, if you're uh, just starting out or have looking for leads, looking for ways to grow your business, BNI is great for that. It'd be worth something checking out. Yeah. Don't be intimidated by structure. So you guys met at a BNI. That's cool. Yeah, we did. And so Josh invited me to his BNI. And um, I think I got the time wrong and showed up <laughs> right literally as they were ending. Which said, yeah, it's so true. He came, he was so excited. It was like 10 o'clock, yep. right? We were just all wrapping up. And he comes in and there. it was so funny because I felt so bad. And you handled it so gracefully. <laughs> well, I think it was my fault, but... Anyway, um, as the story goes, Josh was like, well, you're here. You know, we might as well. I'll take some headshots. And I was like, all right. <laughs> we, you know? went, we went for a stroll in downtown Cary and yeah. made some headshots. It, and, you know, and it that, was a beautiful day. We got some coffee. We did. We did. We started our we started off with coffee. That's our first right. date was coffee. It was I, awesome. Exactly. This is the show about first dates. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we you know, seemed to get along really well. And I was telling him the things that we're doing with Love Abounds in Zambia and um, started to talk about 
our future project at the time, which was our coffee project. And Josh was like, okay, I'm interested in that. And, uh, I, you know, I could tell, I kind of hooked him a little bit, mm, mm. like right, right at those, those very particular moment. I was like, okay, this guy, he may come with us to Zambia. And then um, I was thinking, this guy is such a fisherman of men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, him and his wife, I met her and their, their, their daughter, Ruby. And then, uh, it was just, uh, just an awesome kind of experience people you want to hang out with, you know, and you trust. So that's why I took that step, went to Africa with them. And that was a beautiful experience, David. Yeah. Yeah, And we had hired Josh to take some photos for the firm. And I told my wife, I was like, look, this is the guy that I'm low key trying to recruit to come with us to Zambia. Boom. Um, Yeah. Ended up happening. Ended up happening, man. We put it in God's hands. Ultimately he worked that out. Absolutely. For sure. Very cool. Uh, well, I did some social stalking, like going to your cool. Facebook and online. And, Stalker. Yes. And uh, yeah. I noticed kind of a bit of a theme in a lot of stuff I found online about you okay. about, and it's kind it's of good. about venturing out on your own. Mm-hmm. Like that's some language that seems to exist on a lot of your stuff. Um, our last guest, Nate Anderson, who owns Anderson Painting, um, I thought it was really interesting. One of the things he said was that failure wasn't an option is what he said. And I remember I was talking to his wife the other day, cause I also attend a BNI with his wife. And, um, she was talking about how she, he often tells people what flies in the face of conventional wisdom for advice is like, yeah, you should just quit your job. If you want to do something and start it, you should just quit. Um, which is, seems to go against the majority of uh, traditional, what would seem like wisdom from a lot of people. And uh, mm-hmm. so you're a guy that likes to start stuff. And I was I wondering, do you think that that idea of don't quit your day job is overrated or is that right? Absolutely overrated. Um, but I'll tell you, I feel like on some level, I'm kind of a subversive guy, like go against the grain not exactly a rule follower, which is weird as an attorney, maybe, <laughs> but well, you know, I know people's hobbies are what they like to do often is like what they don't get to do at work. So that makes sense. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going to break rules at work. Right. Right. Well, to be clear, though, I'm not a criminal. I'm not. Going <laughs> home. All right. We got it on the record. I knew it. I think we got the title of the show <laughs> to be clear. Lawyer says I'm not a criminal. Um. But yeah, I'm a huge believer in um, in going out on your own. And uh, my wife will tell you one of my favorite sayings is life is about risk. So, you know, if there's not enough risk in your life, then you're too comfortable. Um, that's a philosophy that I, you know, try and live by. Um, but yeah, so as a business owner myself, often what I'm doing is consulting with and advising other people in the same line of work. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I think just generally in life, people are too afraid to fail. Um, so I definitely agree with what Nate said, you know, failure isn't an option, but another way to look at that, I I would say is, um, you know, go out and fail, you know, fail a few times, learn something from it. Yeah. It, people think like failures. Oh, well, that's it. Like It's over. I can't do anything else now. That's not true. I mean, yeah. you can always start something else. I heard people say things like, I want to fail fast. Right. Like just get that over with so I can get on to the next thing. I've yeah. heard a definition of an expert before that I was like, well, maybe I am an expert because uh, somebody defined it as have tried everything else and failed. Like it's a <laughs> system of elimination of all the bad ideas. And I'm like, oh, I, I can fit that. I yeah, can be an yeah. expert. It's kind of a mantra that's been in my head. Also, in my New York times, it was like um, failing forward. 
because mm-hmm. as I got older, I'm like, when am I going to succeed at something? Good God. Uh-huh. But failing forward. <laughs> so, what started out as such a motivational thing became so self-deprecating in the, in the smallest amount of time. And I was like, when can I do something yeah. good? <laughs> tweet that. That's a good tweet. Yeah. Um, a, a funny story. I, I This goes back to, you know, quitting your job and like taking that risk. This is something that. Just to be clear, guys who do stuff is in full support of you quitting your job, apparently, on today's episode. <laughs> yeah. So have your, have your significant other listen to this podcast and use it as justification as to why you're quitting. But listen to some Dave Ramsey first and build your choices on a good foundation, please. Dear God, right. we are not responsible for your actions. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you were saying, yeah. So a funny story is when me and my wife bought the house that we're living in right now, um, neither of us had a job at that time. And so that seems impossible. And we look on it, we look back at it as like hilarious because I was in law school. My wife was babysitting for this family, making a, you know, fairly good income. We qualified for this loan and, um, we had, I guess viewed me as the person who's the risk taker, the entrepreneur, that that's just me between the two of us. And she comes home one day and is like, Hey, I know this is, makes no sense. We just got a loan, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. And I was like, uh, really? She was like, yeah. I was like, all right, you know what? Go for it. Absolutely. We will close on this loan and buy this house and neither of us will have a job. Um, and we did that and it worked out great. She got another <laughs> job. Um, but I think that just goes to show you, you know, Maybe we're not afraid of risk a little bit, mm-hmm. and that that can be a good thing. And it definitely flies against conventional wisdom. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed is you seem to be passionate about development. Like uh, you work with a lot of small business owners. You were mm-hmm. talking about that. So you kind of help them. You get to mm-hmm. instruct them and give them coaching and guidance, especially legally, because that's the profession. So locally, you get to work with nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And um, you also do it like worldwide with some of this awesome stuff that I'm getting really excited to talk to you about that we haven't touched on yet, which is some of the stuff you're doing with your nonprofit that you started called Love Abounds, which sounds really cool. And I can't wait to talk more about it, but I'm curious to, where did you learn the, the value of development? Mm -hmm. Huh? Did somebody develop you? Is that kind (laughs) of where it came from? Maybe. I think it was just a culmination of a lot of things. Um, you know, when I was in college at NC state, Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And at one point I felt like I was just going to law school because it was the next logical step. And I hated that. I didn't want to just do it because that was the next step. So I really did some soul searching until what was the, the final straw for me was an attorney as a trade is so flexible. I could essentially pick who did I want to help and then go and help those people, whether it was business owners, if it was families, if it was, you know, people who had been hurt. Uh, I mean, right. there's just tons of different options. So I were, I didn't feel like I was limiting myself. Um, and then in law school, I found out, oh, it's definitely business owners. That's who I want to serve. Um, I don't know if that's answering your question at all, but it's, it's a little bit. It's probably I wonder if what drew you to working with business owners is their desire to take risks. <laughs> Yeah, it may very well be. Um, but yeah, I, I, another word for that, I think, you know, that's used in the developing world is called empowerment. And that's what we do with Love Abounds. And I feel like it's very analogous to what I'm doing, you know, in my day job here, which is you're taking somebody and you're explaining, you're showing them the possibilities Mm. and you're, I like to say casting a vision. 
Right. And so when somebody else can catch that vision, I think that's when you've really got something. Um, and so, you know, that happens and I love it, you know, when it happens here in the triangle or in a village in Zambia. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Microphone drop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think that'll make more sense if I explain a little bit about love abounds. Yeah. Um, so essentially in, tw- in 2013, we were going to a church and our pastor came back and said, Hey, we just planted a church in Lusaka, Zambia. And there's this nearby village that doesn't have any clean drinking water. Is anybody, you know, interested in that? And uh, some context, my wife and I were super interested in international development and her major at state was um, international studies Mm -hmm. and and also business. But, you know, all the questions were in front of us. How, where, when and why would we do it with anything with international development? Yeah. Yeah. so that we, it sounds like a really tall order. Like it does. What do you right? want to do this weekend? I was thinking some international development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that word does make it sound, you know, very official. Um, so we kind of jumped at that chance and we fundraised for this village that didn't have any clean drinking water and it was a success. So we're like, okay, we could do that again. And we did maybe three or four times. And then we started to plan to go over there to see what we had done. Um, and we just really fell in love from there. And I guess long story short, um, we hired two people in 2016 named Tony and Carol, also Fuquay natives. And uh, they moved to Zambia permanently, which is a huge talking about risks. Yeah. Um, they essentially retired to Zambia. And to date, we have two homes for abandoned children. We have we've done about 12 clean water wells um, and we have a women's empowerment project that. Um, teaches women to be entrepreneurs through chicken farming. Yeah. So that's, well, that's what love abounds is. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, I actually just was looking into it before you got here mm-hmm. and I was watching your Kickstarter video. Yeah. So I noticed that as another, it looks like an additional thing that you were doing as far as development is trying to get going a little bit of another program for helping people sell coffee. It looks like. Exactly. So essentially with all the, the stuff that I just laid out, we, um, 100% of our funding is from people, you know, like us, people who believe in our story. Um, it's what I call, you know, kind of organic grassroots funding. It's not grants or it's not a lot of corporate giving. Um, it's just people like us. So we are doing great, but you know, we're on this budget and like every month it's like, we have this budget for this. So if anything goes wrong or if anything, we need extra money, yeah. it, you know, it's, it takes time and it can be difficult to like start a campaign, raise the funds. That's a slow process. So I've always wanted to start something entrepreneurial in order to generate constant revenue so that we could do more and, you know, pivot faster. So right. If somebody needs, for example, like a micro loan, okay, boom, you got it. We don't have to create a campaign, ask people for money, go uh-huh. through that whole process. So I've been searching for that for years. And then I found out that Zambia could grow excellent, like high end quality coffee, which is um, pretty popular in America right now. Yeah. I enjoy it myself. <laughs> it is my drug of choice. <laughs> I've had two cups this morning, so I do as well. Right um, now we're drinking low quality Folgers. <laughs> So, um, my plan was let's bring Zambian coffee into the U S market. Cause I don't feel like it's here, but it can be very good. And, uh, you know, Zambia is a third world country. So obviously there's some issues with them getting the coffee here. And, yeah. um, I met an entrepreneur named Justin Minot and we kind of ran with it. And, um, our plan is to 
Well, we just started a Kickstarter and we're going to be buying from local Zambian farms and selling that coffee straight to the consumer here. Um, so it's awesome because it supports local Zambian farms. It brings people together through coffee and ultimately all the proceeds go back to the projects I talked about before. Yeah. So I view it as like kind of like a win, 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 which is kind of rare. Yeah. So this is one of the things that I find so amazing about getting to talk to people. Cause I think people have ideas like, like you're saying, they might not be as detailed and planned out as mm -hmm. your ideas, but people have ideas to do good. Cause I think we're kind of, there's something about us as humans that's wired to be like, not just survive, but also mm -hmm. we would like to see other people survive. And so there's kind of an innate generosity built into most people. And, um, but what doesn't seem to be built into most people is then, and then the transition there. So like we decided to do it <laughs> and that's the thing that I, I don't have any statistics to support this, but that seems like that's where a lot of people fall off the bus. And then I decided to do something about it, mm. but I'm kind of like that. I think I have a ton of, and my wife, she's just so patient and kind to me <laughs> because I, I have ideas all the time. Like I should buy a portable mill and I should start going around the neighborhood and chopping <laughs> down trees and selling burls. It'll be amazing. And uh, I have a lot of ideas like that. Uh, and a lot of them never turned into anything, but I'm kind of more like pitching the idea to see if she'll like actually be like, Oh, that's actually a good one. Cause I find that see for sticks. me personally, like one in a hundred. Great. That's my idea is okay. one in a hundred. That's the one that's really good. But, uh, I would love to just kind of play back your video here and you tell oh, us yeah. a little bit more about it. So, and I want to pick your brain about Kickstarter because I have Absolutely. never run a Kickstarter campaign. Okay. But you guys have, and you have run a successful Kickstarter campaign. You were shooting for 14,000 and you're already way past that. And you're a little bit yeah. less than a thousand from your new goal that you set, right. which looks like you're unlocking a lot more cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but anyways, wanted to play the Kickstarter video here. You're only going to get to hear the audio because this is a podcast, but you knew that. <laughs> and we're going to kind of ask, ask some questions as we're going through this. So here we go. Hi, I'm David Morgan. Hi, David Morgan. Founder of Chikonde Coffee, and I'm excited to share this project with you. We're on a mission to... All right, so we're looking at drone footage of Zambia here. ...actually copy from Zambia so that you can experience the incredible feeling of making a difference just by drinking a cup of some of the best coffee on the planet. We'll put this video on and the... we can't make this happen. Guys who do stuff. Nice. Now, in Zambia, there's very little access to clean water, hygiene, sanitation, and education in these rural areas. These issues are amplified by... How many people live in the village that you're targeting here? Urban, spinning uh, a web of problems... It's hard to say, but... Hopeless and stationary. I think the estimate's a few thousand. We can change this, and here's how. We're leveraging the power of coffee to transform lives in this amazing country. Coffee connects people. Who's this? Guy? Drink a cup of coffee. This is just in my eyes. All the people that involved I in getting this coffee from the bean to our cup. He's a coffee Based guru. Export Zambia as a coffee origin is only about thirty years old, and for direct trade specialty coffee, the good stuff, it's really only a few years old. So we're making history here together. Of course, the elevation is perfect. The climate is great. Zambia has all of the right ingredients to be one of the best coffees on the continent. Every time you take a sip, you're transforming the lives of coffee farmers and their families. On top of this, all the that coffee shop was a cool experience right there. Communities in Zambia through projects like chicken farming to empower women entrepreneurs, a home for abandoned children and clean water initiatives. Back this campaign and help us get this story out to North American coffee drinkers. You have the opportunity to be one of the first people to ever get their hands on this life-changing specialty coffee from Zambia, Africa.
So in the Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. you've already hit the goal, which means it's going to happen. So I want to hear about what's yeah. going to happen and how I get some of this coffee. And it's called Chikandi. Is that how you say it? So Chikondi. So no. <laughs> Chikondi. Um, is, there's actually, I'm pretty sure I pronounced it wrong in that in that video. So That's all right. No one will know. Well, my wife won't <laughs> let me forget that. But um, the cur- correct pronunciation is Chikondi, mm-hmm. which means love in the native language of Nyanja. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea you guys just decided to go for it. Mm-hmm. You were also talking about you, you try to get funding from people like yourself, mm-hmm. which is you, you don't have a lot of things that <clears throat> traditional funders might have, like as a base of people or a weekly gathering like a church would have to get together and to solicit funds. So how do you get the word out on something yeah. like this and run a successful Kickstarter campaign? So it's a little bit of everything. And before I answer that question, so there, there is some strategy to that I didn't know about. Um, Justin the in-house coffee guru mm-hmm. actually helped us a lot because he had run campaigns before. Yeah. So, so what did you learn? Tell us the secret. Even though our initial goal was 14,000, that was not really our goal. So whatever your goal is, you ask for, um, there's like a f- formula. It's like 40% less. And then you try and fund that super fast to create momentum. Okay. So that 14, is that because people want to support something that other people are excited about? I think so. And it got us some traction on the national Kickstarter website. Oh, okay. Um, and so we were actually on the front page for a day or two. Oh, so you quickly got funded, which means this is a project we should feature if exactly. they're Kickstarter and they pushed you up there. Oh, that's exactly. interesting. So our goal was to raise the whole, I get, we'll, we'll call it the initial goal within 48 hours. And we did that. Um, so that was awesome. I mean, we had no idea if we were going to actually do it, but that yeah. was the plan. That seems like a big risk. Like, please give us all the monies. <laughs> Here's my video. We have a great idea. Well, the other thing is nobody else knows that you your real goal is to raise it in 48 hours. Right. right? So if you don't, no one knew. But if you do, then people are like, oh, my gosh, they raised 14 grand in like 40 hours. Yeah. It makes you want to share it. It's exactly. like, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's a good little insider trick if you're thinking about doing a Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you may want to hire Justin Minot to, uh, consult cause he's great at that stuff. And but, I bet he would serve you delicious coffee. <laughs> he yeah. would. He would. These guys are real deep in beans. Um, but to answer your question about fundraising, it's a little bit of everything. So we, anything, anywhere, that's an opportunity to share our story. We do that. And so that's looked like we've talked at VBSs. We talked to the public health school at ECU. Mm-hmm. We've talked to quite a few churches, um, community groups, um, kind of wherever we can tell our story. Yeah. And so be, from that, we have a base of supporters who support us monthly. Um, and that's how we're able to do what we do. So you mentioned that some the funding will do what it said in the video, which is mm-hmm. get us the coffee, which Correct. is awesome. Yeah. And build up this network or this process, I suppose, in which you will be equipping the people of Zambia to sustainably farm and basically launch this thing. And that was pretty cool. It said that it's only 30 years old in that country where, you know, a lot of coffee comes from Africa because you see the oh, names yeah. when you go to Starbucks, et cetera. So it seems like this awesome untapped potential mm-hmm. and how it could really be this huge thing for them in their, in their city, which is awesome. But you also mentioned that some of it goes towards these other projects that you're doing. So, right. So there's kind of a short-term plan and a long-term plan. Our long-term plan is we would love to actually start a coffee farm in the village that we work in. 
And part of the reason for that is there's just a lack of opportunity. There, right. there are so many people in their like twenties to thirties that just don't have a lot to do. Um, and I mean, I could talk about the, you know, cultural, social, economic situation of Zambia for hours, yeah. but, um, so creating jobs would be awesome. And then furthermore, uh, letting them take ownership in a project like yeah. that. I'd love to watch the women's empowerment project do that. But yeah, well, I was just reading about yeah. that before you got here. It's called Chicks Empowered, which I think is so <laughs> clever. Yeah. But they're they're providing an opportunity for some of the women in the village to have a job, really, which is a which is something that if you read the quotes, they're very inspiring. Like not, I didn't, not only a job, but a business, a business. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think I would ever have a job or some of the quotes. Like I didn't think this, right. This amount of good could happen to me in my life. And, um, I think in America, we kind of take a job as like, yes, that's what we do. Most of the time we work, we're Americans right. doing it. And, um, to not have the opportunity is got to, it's tough for us to imagine as Americans. And we yeah. were just joking, like quit your job because here it seems like there's one every yeah. two feet. Like right. you can't throw and not hit a job. Um, <laughs> if you want to work and you apply yourself, uh, not to disparage anybody that's having a hard time finding a job that can be a soul, a soul wrenching experience. That's to be right. Like why that's right. Looking for a job. But so chicks empowered, I thought was such a cool, one, yeah. it's a cool name. And secondly, uh, what a cool idea. Instead of saying like, I'm going to raise money and I'm going to give these people some money. Right. Cause money isn't really what they need. Right. It's not the core of what they need. I would agree. Yeah. Which is, I love that. And I'll provide some context too. So in rural Zambian villages, 100% of the income that's made in the village has to be from crops. There's very little else. Okay. So, and then because of the seasons, it doesn't rain for about six months. So these women, before we started this project, were probably making a little under a hundred U.S. dollars per year, mm -hmm. and that was coming in one lump sum. Um, so it's you know, how awesome of a budgeter do you have to be to get your entire right. your entire annual income in one day, and then beyond, or we'll say one month, and then beyond that, it's only a hundred dollars. So when we started our project, it was something that could come in monthly on top of what they're already doing, which is a huge benefit to them because it brings some consistency. Um, so to date, they're probably making um, about 60 U.S. dollars per month just from our project. Wow. So that's, you know, around quadrupling their annual income. And probably one of the coolest outcomes I didn't expect was... As you may expect, women aren't really, you know, treated as well as they should be in a lot of third world countries. And Zambia is no exception. But now these women are looked at as the entrepreneurs of the village. Wow. Yeah. They're trendsetters now. Right. They're like, oh, we didn't know this was possible. There was one of the quotes where she was like, everybody, it was, a, it was a quote on the bottom of the page that essentially went, everybody thought this was going to fail. And now my neighbors are looking at me like, you know, like, right. I got to give me some chicken business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it has been. That's probably my one of my favorite projects that we've done just because um, and you said, you know, it's the difference between giving them money. So like the example I use all the time is we could have built these women houses. We could have done that. Yeah. But now multiple of these women have went and used the income they made and built their own house. But the sense of uh, pride and accomplishment that right. they have, because, I mean, we didn't build it. They did that. And mm -hmm. it's just that's an awesome thing to see. Yeah, that's amazing. So I've noticed a, a trend and I just want to I want to bounce this off you as we Josh and I 
not just on the show, but I think Josh is the kind of guy that loves to network and talk to people and myself as well. And we try to read and keep up to date and find out what other people are doing. Like most, most curious people probably do. And, um, but I've noticed a trend on what seems to drive successful, content, healthy people that are enjoying their life. Um, I'm not calling like success. Like I've made this amount of money and now everybody looks at me as successful because that line seems to be constantly moving (laughs) and it's really hard to say like, boom, success. Um, But I mean more like the contentment and fulfillment, I guess is a better word that Mm -hmm. seems to come from knowing what you're doing is the thing you should be doing. Um, And so I've noticed that people, when they find that, when they understand what motivates them, kind of their why, and how to tap into that as a fuel source to do whatever they do. The job seems to be the, oh yeah, there's that too. Like I also do the job, but it's almost like the platform on which to accomplish what you're really wired to do. Right. So my question to you is one, what do you think about that? And two, what drives you? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Interesting. What makes you tick? (laughs) Well, to answer that question, I think it is you know, it, empowering people. And in some way or another, I, I think uh, giving people hope. So hope of it could be a better job or hope of a better future for their family, yeah. um, which I mean, applies equally to entrepreneurs here and to women in Zambia. Absolutely. Um, so like I said before, when I was in law school, it hit me that who I wanted to serve was business owners um, here in America, at least. And, uh, th- that was kind of a crucial moment for me yeah. and saying, okay, this is what I want to do. This is wh- who I want to do it for. Let's do this. Well, yeah, it seems like you're almost leveraging. So you got this network of business people that, you know, and you're providing them an opportunity to help people in other situations be developed. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word empowered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, cause a lot of us, we might not have the wherewithal to start our own organization and nonprofits to make a difference in the world. And so a lot of people are really happy to jump in on a compelling story and be like, look, I'm helping make this happen, which is why people want to fund an amazing Kickstarter like yours. Um, so back to the Kickstarter, yeah. you're only $600 short of your second goal, second goal. Is that the, your actual goal? So that was our actual goal from the beginning. So the 20 K was the actual goal. Correct. All right. So if you're listening to the podcast, they're like $600 short. How do we help you get to the rest of your goal? Okay. So if you're familiar with Kickstarter, then you get a different reward based on what you give. And it's listed out there. Um, Kickstarter.com. Yeah. Not a sponsor. (laughs) Chacondicoffee.com is how you get directly to our link. Um, But yeah, go on there. Look at it. If there's something that, you know, strikes your fancy, then give. But I think even more important than that, if you know somebody who is a big coffee fanatic, um, you know, just share it with them. Yeah. I I think the power of people being on our side, involved in our story, even if it's not monetarily, is huge. Right. Um, When when will we expect to see and taste and put this coffee in our mouth holes? (laughs) Gross. (laughs) So on the Kickstarter, it says May. But oh, I'm you here just with- lost money on your Kickstarter because I said that. I apologize. <laughs> you want to re-say it? <laughs> no, I don't want to take no. the risk. Go ahead. Um, but I'm here with some insider info. You guys should probably actually get that by the end of March. Um, wow. That's our internal goal. But we're saying May just to be safe because mm-hmm. um, 
Well, this is the kind of thing that could, I mean, this could really work and it could turn yeah. into like this all of a sudden scale kind of conversation right. about, man, how do we, how do we make this work for the amount of people? That's, that's when you know it's that you're on a good idea where you're mm-hmm. like, oh no, what happens if it works? <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it should scare you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's how you know you've got a good idea. Um, but so we're ho- hoping now for $25,000 on the Kickstarter. Okay. Um, according to experts out there, the first two days and like the last three days of the Kickstarter are usually your biggest days. Okay. And you Um, close on the 15th, right? And we close on the 15th, but I mean, Hey, if there's someone out there right now and says, Oh, just 25,000, I was about to give $10,000. Go ahead. We'll take as much as we can get. Yeah. It's not like you don't have a plan to what to, that's not what Kickstarter is about. It's not that I only need this much money. Correct. It's about getting the minimum amount to do the awesome thing that you're wanting. And it's not like you don't have a plan to handle excess money that comes in. Exactly. And there's some pretty cool rewards on there for one of them. uh, Our in-house coffee guru will come to your house one morning that you choose and make you coffee, be your personal barista and explain to you what he's doing and why man that is cool cool. justin yes oh that's cool oh yeah yeah i i I would want that for myself for sure yeah i think somebody should donate a lot of money who lives in somewhere really far away to just make him go to like alaska (laughs) or you know in the in the 50 u.s states yeah somewhere just yeah far away so that he's got to travel mongolia i like that idea like oh it's a six-hour car ride to rural nebraska so i can (laughs) Make Jeff some coffee. (laughs) We are interrupting today's show to bring you the challenge. The guys who do stuff challenge. Last week, we challenged everybody to sharpen their axe. And what we meant was to take time investing and sharpening the skills that make you excellent at what you're doing. And this week, Josh and I challenged ourselves with something pretty simple, which is you got to start. And so for us, the idea of a podcast, I think, was something we, we wanted to do for a while. And we just decided we're going to start. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of borrowed some gear from various places. Mm-hmm. We had some stuff that worked on our end. Right. We had the premise. We knew what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then before you know it, I'd say less than 12 hours, we recorded that first episode. We were rolling. We jumped right in. And so we wanted to challenge you guys with a similar thing. Whatever it is that you've been wanting to do, and you know what it is, it probably just came to your mind right when I said that. And then you tried to dismiss it because you didn't want to be challenged to do the thing that you've been putting off. But whatever it is, start. If you have the idea of one day writing a book, you need to write the outline. You got to sharpen your pencil. You got to sharpen. It's always sharpening here with us. Uh, Whatever that might be, it might be run a marathon. You got to put on your shoes first. You got to start getting into shape. You got to start. The idea is, is you guys know exactly what it is. And so this week we wanted to challenge the amazing guys who do stuff listeners to start. That's right. Joe's right. He's he's on it. We are challenging you to start. And now we are in this podcast. We want to talk a little bit about what the experience has been like for you for starting a podcast. Yeah, I think uh, I, I want to and I, I will. I'll commit right now to go yeah. ahead and write a post because I think a lot of you guys might be out there thinking I wanted to start a podcast. Turns out it's not that hard with, with a lot of stuff in life. If other people have figured it out, you can figure it out. Josh and I, we're like men of average intelligence. Well, I don't yeah. want to speak for you, but I know I'm speaking for me. And, Definitely uh, not speaking for me, Joe. <laughs> but you can do it. I guess that's the point. You can do it all night long.
you can do it. You can do it. And get in the ring, man. Get in and figure it out. Become the contender. Yeah. Life I'll, is, I'll yeah. write a post about how to how we did it and how we got stuff done on starting our podcast if you find that interesting. But whatever your thing is that you've been putting off starting, take the first step this week. Don't think about it. Don't overthink it. Just start. <laughs> Yeah. And we want to hear stories about your experience with starting something. So you want to talk a little bit about that, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to the page that the episode lives on, on guyswhodostuff.com, as well as you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook where we're going to post our challenges. We would love to hear your guys' feedback from doing the Guys Who Do Stuff challenge. So rad. You guys are going to get pumped. No, 2019. Let's roll, guys. Let's do some stuff. So podcast, what's next for us, Joe? We're going to finish this episode with David Morgan. Right now. As doers of stuff, like if you're listening to this, uh, what do you think are some of the common obstacles for people who have these dreams, these ideas, these passions, these projects, whatever it is? What's keeping them from doing it? I would say probably in some form or fashion, it's fear. And, you know, Some fear can definitely be healthy, but what I've been intentional about in my life is trying to decipher the things that drive me, you know, at at, at its core. Is this really based in fear? Because I I think most things are based either in fear or love when you really boil down to it. Okay. So, you know, some people would say, well, if I take that job, you know, I won't make as much money. Well, is that really it? Or is it that you're, you know, you're scared you won't be able to feed your family if you take this risk? Yeah. Right. I, I would say that's fear based and I'm not going to let that drive me. So, um, you know, I think once you get down to that core, you start to find things that you love that inspire you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the fuel to like push you over that, you know, that to make that first step. Um, because sometimes people get lost in saying, yeah, there's, here's all the reasons why this is bad. And here's all the reasons why it's good. And they kind of cancel each other out. And now I'm stuck. Yeah. Uh, paralysis by analysis. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but that's a method that works for me is kind of, okay, well, this one is really fear-based. So I'm going to cross that. It's not even going to be a factor in my decision. Yeah. And then with what's left, um, you know, if it's more good than bad, then I go for it. Yeah. And I think I can only speak from, from my own personal experience here, but all the things in my life that I've found that I'll put in the successful category, like rewarding, connected to what I'm excited about doing that I'm going to feel proud about. Like, I would like to talk to somebody like this happened and it was great. And most of them, one, they have a couple characteristics in common. They're usually not all my fault. It's usually like on the, <laughs> on the shoulders of giants, right? Is the, is the Absolutely. saying, or I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, I remember first heard it in a business book about like the turtle on the fence post. Hmm. And this guy would always walk to work down the same path. And there was a turtle on a fence post and he was, how did the turtle get there? And it was like building up the answers are really simple, right? Somebody put them there. Uh, yeah. Like that's how the turtle <laughs> became king of the fence post and all the other animals were like, and so I think that's, that's a common factor. And then the other thing that I've noticed in my life is I haven't really had that thing that's just like explosive all of a sudden mm-hmm. or just easy, right? Like it was so obvious that it was easy. And then it was, it was just this great idea and it was very successful. They all seem to be disciplines that take place, small decision after small decision after small decision that lead to a successful outcome. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like this quote. I found this quote online. It's uh, Francis of Assisi. I don't know how that's how you say his Assisi. name. Assisi. Assisi. You call Francis Assisi? I think Francis <laughs> is Assisi. He's got all these quotes. <laughs> Just reading books. And Man, you're books. asking for it in your nightmares. I would not sleep. 
I don't think he's alive anymore, is he? Uh, That may be worse, you know? Uh, Listen, (laughs) I'm not scared of a sissy or a cece. (laughs) I don't think. Yeah. All right. Anyway, what's the quote? I ruined this great setup. It's a great quote. Uh, It says, start by, that's right. That's my dog, JPEG. JPEG. Uh, Start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly you're doing the impossible. Almost like there's this formula for success. You got to start by doing what's necessary. Like what's the least like what's the easiest? What's the, what's the first thing? What is the necessary thing to do? Then just do what's possible. And I like this approach. It's kind of like, all right, so I got to start somewhere. All right. I did the thing. Now what's next? Well, I got to keep at it. I got to keep working. And then suddenly you're doing the impossible. And I doubt it's suddenly, but I get the the premise. Yeah. So my paraphrase for that is uh, wear the shoes for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. Pretty cool. Mm. It makes me thankful for my dad. He always said, you know, son, if you're ever in a place where you don't know what to do, get up and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. You know what? In fact, Josh was taking my headshots like I need headshots, but he was just doing it be a favor. And um, you said something that has resonated with me. This was like a week, two weeks ago. Hmm. And I thought I should write a blog about this because he's taking my headshots and he's trying to dial in the light and he's working with the new lens, technical, whatever stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm standing over there by the door so he can get the light off my face. And he's coaching me. He's like, stand like this, do this kind of stuff like a good photographer would. And then um, he moved and he just came like. 12 feet closer. And he's like, Oh, that's what I needed to do. I couldn't make it work. I just needed to do some work. And, uh, it just, it really stuck with me because I've seen that happen so many times in my life. It's like a perspective thing. Like it's so easy to be like, Oh, I can't do, I can't do. This is the reason can't do, can't do. But then you just do a little work, you move. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you got this whole new. That's why when you start out as a photographer, it's recommended you use prime lenses. So you learn to move around with your feet. So you zoom with your feet. So Zoom lenses make us, you know, prime lenses make us work and learn and zoom lenses make us lazy as photographers. And think about that as, yeah, as metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, use use your primes, people. (laughs) (laughs) That, um, what you said before sparks two comments for me, I think. One is, um, everyone always sees the effects and it's like, Oh my gosh, that, you know, that business blew up or, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that guy's a genius. Um, but if you've ever read the book by Malcolm Gladwell, I'm a huge fan. Um, uh, David and Goliath, there, there's a few awesome ones, but I know in, I can't remember which one it is now. He talks about the 10,000 hour rule. Tipping point. Yeah. The tipping, tipping point. point. Yeah. That was probably one of my favorite books. Can't believe I forgot the name. Yeah. We all but, three read that and liked it. I'm happy. <laughs> oh, I can nice. say that. <laughs> I just knew the title. I'm not sure I read it. <laughs> uh, okay. Don't, don't um, go check my Goodreads account to prove it. <laughs> all his books are good though. I haven't read a bad one. Um, not sponsored by Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, that really explored the idea that, oh my gosh, like the Beatles, they're awesome. But then you see they were in like this crucible of proving themselves where they played gigs literally eight mm-hmm. hours a day for weeks. And they put in the time. And they dropped a ton of acid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the, and the, the other comment that you said that really reminded me was I remember in 2013 when we started doing the stuff for the clean water wells, literally thinking this is so small is stupid. Like, why are we even doing this? Yeah. Like, this is dumb. Like, this is such a small thing. Yeah, like maybe like this is a lot of effort. I'm going to jump on a right. plane, travel to the other side of the world so that I can dig a well. Yeah. And it just it probably felt futile. It probably seemed 100%. like looking at looking at the scope of the problem. I'm going to go over there and be like, look, I did this for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And right. Am I helping? Like, that's got to be. Exactly. So that I think that goes right to do something yeah. um, because. uh 
I could have never imagined this now. But back then, I, I just definitely remember having thoughts of, "We're are we wasting our time? Are we literally yeah. wasting our time?" Mm-hmm. But you know, now I look at it and I'm like, "Man, I'm so proud of this. This is awesome." Right. Um, and you've been doing it for how many years? Uh, so we we technically started in 2013 with the first well we ever okay. did. So yeah. Um, probably coming up on six years. Well, I hope at 10 years you look back and be like, I can't believe that it turned into this. And then right. at 25 yeah. years, your, your kids <laughs> exactly. want to get a job there and they're like, you can start <laughs> this giant organization. I just think it's so cool. But I think that's yeah. how stuff works. Right. It's a slow grow. Yeah. And I think a part of our culture that is probably it's contributed to by social media and the way we kind of curate our lives mm-hmm. is that there's going to be this moment of arrival. And then we know success and then people will want us on their podcast or whatever it is. Um, But I was listening to a podcast that I think is really cool called Armchair Expert. If you're a podcast person, I'm sure you know of that. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to our podcast, you knew that existed. If you haven't seen the movie (laughs) Chips, the new one, watch it. Dak Shepard is the host of Armchair Expert. Yeah, and it's real good. And he had this guy on who wrote a book about, it was called Dark Knight. Uh, No, it was called Dark Horse. And he was an ex-lawyer. And uh, I don't know if he was a lawyer but he was ex Harvard grad and now he's doing research and scientific research about the brain. And one of the points that he was talking about uh, that really was like challenge conventional wisdom for me that I've been chewing on for the last couple of days, as he said, if, if you look at people who have found fulfillment and if that's your definition of success, one of the key components is that they don't care about the destination, hmm. which sounds terrible advice. If you're like, and Nate Anderson on the last podcast was like, it's really important to set goals. And I, you're like, I right, also right. heard him, I read in that book, I heard on that podcast how he talked about when you are, what was it? What else did he say, Joe? Something else. <laughs> he said a lot. It's like a three hour <laughs> podcast. Yeah, he did say a lot of things. I'll think of it in a second. I feel like we should get some thinking music for situations <laughs> like this and just put it in there. Um, I'll do it gosh, in post. What did he say? We'll wait. <laughs> You want to you want to do an ad right now? We can run an ad. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk oh, about Morgan Perry yeah. Law? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we won't charge you any money because we don't have sponsors. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, uh, Morgan Perry Law, we do real estate, estate planning, and business planning. So if you need a uh, to plan for your wealth, that's estate planning. If you're buying a house, you got to have a closing attorney. Or if you're wanting to start or grow or sell your business, that's me. I'd love to help you. That's awesome. <laughs> I now remember what it was. He said, and he said that when overwhelmingly, when people who had succeeded had done something big, they, when they were asked about it, they talked about the why, not the what. Yeah. It's the why. Mm. Yeah. That's the motivating factor. Yep. And maybe that's kind of goes hand in hand with forget the destination. Like if mm. you're so wrapped up in what you're doing, mm-hmm. then one, you're not connected. You're not fulfilled. You're not passionate, which is going to affect your work. Um, and two, the why is the fuel. And you said that a couple of times. Exactly. Is, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. It is. And I think it's that fuel um, that, you know, gets you across that point that you were talking about to do something, to yeah. be a, a guy that does stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To get out of that. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you did a commercial for us. That's good. Back, back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have another question here. Okay. I love the idea of weapons of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are probably things that we do that we have learned uh, we had a challenge last week to sharpen your axe, just developing your own personal skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, your weapons of choice. What are some practices or disciplines that you do mm-hmm. regularly? I don't want to hear about aspirational weapons of choice, okay. but uh, that have been effective for you and you would encourage other people to do. Okay. Um, the 
Number one thing I would say, and there's a lot of different information about this, but I would say meditation. Really? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's just, I think some people are scared of that word, but to me, it just means like being totally quiet and like just having a quiet time. Yeah. Um, and being introspective. I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs might lack is just sit back and think about, just think, yeah. you know, you know, we're so, we want to do, do, do you wake up and you check your email and then you go to Facebook and then you're in the middle of your work day. Mm-hmm. But to me, I can easily start to feel the best way to describe it is like frayed, like pulled in a thousand different directions. Yeah. And I'm like kind of anxious, kind of worried. I'm not being very effective. I can tell I'm worried about like 10 projects at one time. Mm-hmm. But when after I do that quiet time uh, where I don't say anything, I'm not reading anything. I mean, sometimes I read my Bible, but mo- most of the time I'm doing nothing as much as I can. And then I feel laser focused. It's like rather than having 10 things on my to do list and literally thinking a little bit about all 10, I'm better able to say, I'm going to do this, this one, knock it out and go down the list. So I've, uh, I've read a couple of books on, on meditation in the last Mm -hmm. year or so, Um, and then kind of got fascinated with it. And so I said a couple, but I probably read like 30 uh, books on, on the idea of meditation. And I think uh before really jumping into it and studying it, my initial mindset was like some yogi somewhere bending really good and, you know, putting his fingers together like this and going, and making spoons float. Yes. Making spoons float like, or bending them like the matrix Uh, force. Yes. Using the force. And, uh, and I find that that's a pretty good, I've done that a couple of times. Like mm-hmm. if you just read one book, you just get one person's opinion. Like you got to kind of deep exactly. dive and try to, and then paint a picture of like the whole thing. And after all that kind of research, personal research for really no reason other than just desire to learn a little bit more mm-hmm. about meditation. Uh, the way I would define useful meditation is just training yourself to do one thing at a time, mm-hmm. which is a skill that is really hard to do. And you want to like joke about guys like we're single track mind. We can't, we can't do anything. We can't multitask, which is probably very true in comparison to what women can do by way of multitasking as a general uh, statement or a stereotype. But Josh, we should do this as a challenge. Me and you should meditate for like a month and then talk about it. That could be one of our challenges. I love it. And learn a little bit about meditation mm-hmm. and uh, not together. I feel like that would be weird. No, 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 no. <laughs> no yeah, that'd be too distracting, but meditate together. That's the name of our book that will fail. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first started, like going 30 seconds without having a distracting thought was super difficult. Yeah. 30 seconds. And then it was a minute and then it was two minutes Yeah, and then it was five minutes have you found that it's been successful for you? Not because you get to not do anything for an hour. Cause that's, I think that's the wrong way to look at it, but it's the effects of it afterwards, almost like working out, like the ability to discipline yourself to do this thing is almost like an exercise for your capacity to get stuff done in a sense where you're like training a muscle. I have a question about meditating. Is it breaking the rules if you're moving? Like if if I'm on my bicycle or I'm driving like, is uh, that meditating if they're not listening to music? Or yes, you, that's illegal. And you'll one, get arrested. Should one be sitting still? <laughs> you know, you sit still when you meditate, David? I think there's all kinds. I really of. don't know. I do. I sit still and I stare out the window. But you're, I, you're, So you're doing something. You're staring out the window. But, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know enough to answer that question. Are you, what are you looking at? Is there a tree or a trash can? <laughs> so, but, it, well, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I just happen to be staring. I mean, sometimes I'm staring at the wall. But, you know, yeah, your eyes are open. 
my eyes are open some of the time. Yeah, we so. should do it. We'll do some guided yeah. meditation and we'll get into it and then yeah. we can be more informed to talk to people next time. Yeah. And I mean, I've I've I don't know that there's a like, right or wrong way necessarily. Yeah, there's probably not. I've seen stuff like on Audible, like this is a meditation practice for running. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's probably ways to incorporate the benefits of it while doing something. Mm-hmm. But then I think a lot of people say the point is to not be doing anything. So maybe that could be a distraction, but it's probably much better mm-hmm. to pay attention to what's going on in your body while you're doing other things. Yeah. Like, um, then to just not, you know, <laughs> just kind of yeah. be constantly in cruise control. And for me, what I do with, I would lean to say maybe riding your bike would not work because when it like is really working for me, it's like, I'm totally unaware of what's in the room mm. at all. Mm. Like, 100 percent yeah so that'd be that dangerous would, that would not be good if you're like <laughs> plowing around on a bike you mean like right. riding a bike not a motorcycle right? right 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 i was just listening to speaking of podcasts i was just listening to another one of dak shepherd's was an older one with conan o'brien and they had this oh, really funny conversation about how nobody feels bad for the guy that dies on a bike <laughs> Like that's a, that's a, not a funeral where people cry because everybody's just like, Oh, what did you do to yourself? (laughs) I just don't feel bad for you. (laughs) Not that I wouldn't, I'd cry at your funeral if you died on a bike. I'd also. Oh yeah. I'd be willing to say almost any way that Josh died. I'd be sad. (laughs) See, take that Joe. What if? I don't know. I was, I just went to a really dark place. I'm not even going to share with that. I was like, what if he didn't get there? Okay. All right. Well, that's awesome. So I did not expect that as the answer of weapons of choice for getting stuff done is to stop doing stuff and learn how to meditate. (laughs) But uh, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, I don't really have any more questions. Josh, you got any more questions? I'm good. I mean, gosh, what else would I ask David Morgan? If I could ask him a question. Oh, three people, four, maybe how many people at a dinner table? How many people, uh, who would you have at the dinner table? Five people. Oh, who would they be? Oh, wow. So, okay. I get to choose five people. Can they be? Should we do three people? Past yeah, people? three people. Let's okay. do three. And they have to be alive right now? No. no. Oh, wow. They can be cartoons. We don't care. Yeah. Okay. That just went, got a lot harder. <laughs> SpongeBob and SquarePants would be there, right? <laughs> so, if they were alive, two names that popped right into my head were uh, Malcolm Gladwell and Dave Chappelle. Woo! Um, what a party. <laughs> I think that would be the start to an awesome, awesome dinner. Um, of course, your wife would be there and Ruby would be there. And, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think like but physically Malcolm Gladwell. I think if I'm thinking of the right guy, because I've seen him like uh, on like he speaks at conferences and things mm-hmm. like that. He kind of looks like uh, what's his name? Uh, Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons with the curly sticking out hair. Yeah, his hair does look like that. All right, so right. you got Dave Chappelle and he's right. not going to let that go. OK, so this is good. <laughs> I like the way that this dinner's going. Um, I, you know, I don't know. There may be one person that I would like to invite just kind of to make fun of. And that may be G- <laughs> Gary V. Oh, yeah. um, I, you know, I think he, he he's great. And some of the stuff he says is funny, but I also look at him more as like a cartoon character. <laughs> I, I, I'm just being honest. Not that he's not a great You're entrepreneur. You're just trying to build a fun but, dinner. Right. I'm just trying to build a fun here. dinner. Oh, yeah. Gary V as a cartoon character. Oh, is that allowed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's cool. I feel like that, I, would, I would watch this Netflix special that they will no doubt produce for March. I, I would this trust year. his taste in wine. You do know his history with wine, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, took the yeah. brick and mortar of an immigrant parent to like, oh my God, oh, like, yeah. what a story. Yeah. 
That's yeah. crazy. All right. Well, I really enjoyed this. Thanks for talking to us, David. Absolutely. Um, any closing words of advice for people to, all right. So you got one sentence here to motivate mm-hmm. people to start something, or to a, do it. Or a saying or a slogan, like okay. get her done or just do it. Don't or, say get her done. <laughs> uh, I well, I would say be intentional. Don't be comfortable. Okay. But if, I, if I'm doing a slogan here, then it has to be that life is all about risks. Life is all about risks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So take some risks, people. Absolutely. On a foundation of risk. They can be or calculated the- risks, but still. Oh, no, no. Don't qualify. Let's take dumb risks, everybody. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go take some dumb risks. I know, I know some scooters we can rent in downtown Raleigh. You guys ready? Oh, those birds? Yeah. Yeah, those oh, look yeah. fun. Those are super fun. Have you been on one? Yeah. You know, life's about risks. So yeah, I saw him and I, I was like, it. it wasn't risk as more as I just feel old a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that looks like a guy trying if it's me on the scooter. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, and I didn't think it was with my wife and we were kind of on a date and it was like, we just couldn't find the motivation. Like you want to get on a scooter? There were two of them right by the Starbucks we were at. And she's like, yeah, they're cool. Nice. But now, mm. see, I should have done it. Sounds like then I would have had a story. I have a story about not doing stuff. So that's the lesson. <laughs> that you should have stories about doing you're stuff. You're so yin yang. I think your tattoo is going to be yin yang. <laughs> yin yang? Yeah. Yin yang. Oh, I talked to, I got a lead um, on a guy I can call that might give us tattoos and be on the podcast. Oh boy. We're tattoos. Gonna, that's going to happen. What? We're going to be real. We're talking it. We're going to make it work. Wow. All right. Well, oh. thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, uh, we worked pretty hard on the website, guyswhodostuff.com. If you would go there, you can now subscribe on all the podcast streaming, whatever, however you get it. We're there now, which is pretty exciting. So you can go there. And if you're on Google or if you're on iTunes or if you just want to stream it through Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio, make it happen. You can find all the links right there. Or just search it from wherever you get podcasts. Also, feel free to leave a comment about your challenge of the week on theguyswhodostuff.com See ya (laughs) 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 The dog says goodbye everyone Thanks for joining us Yeah See you next week All right, welcome to the after show. We're going to take a little bit of time here to talk about some of the things we talked about on the show that we kind of glossed over that maybe would be interesting to you and give you a little bit more information. Uh, so what were some of the things we talked about, Josh? Well, if we miss any of them, we'll be sure to post the links down below. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think the ones in our mind are something like, uh, yeah, B&I, right? That's yeah. a pretty big deal. So business networking international. Right. Yep. And uh, Josh and I both belong to a local chapter here in Cary. Cary, North Kakalaki. Cary Connections. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, it's a structured meeting that's once a week that allows you to do a couple things as a business owner. It allows you to refine your pitch because you get to do your elevator pitch every week. But most importantly, it helps you build relationships with other local business people and helps you identify who would be a good referral for you and allows you to understand more about your fellow businessmen in your area so that when you're out and about and somebody's like, man, I need an electrician. And you're like, oh, I know an electrician. That's He's right. great. That's and right. this is the guy and you, give them yep. the information. Who you know, like, and trust, which right. is a big deal when you pass a referral, right? Yeah. That's the big deal. People want to know who's your guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a, that's one of the, one of the, I think the cool parts about VNI. Oh yeah. I yeah, like yeah. the, I like the structure and the accountability part of it is a good, a good thing every yeah. week, every week, you know? It's good as a business owner who gets, I feel like I have so much freedom over my uh, calendar now that it's good to have like blocks in the week so I can remember like, this is when I do this stuff. And I've kind of built some of my disciplines around 
the BNI meeting. So I'm going to do follow up directly after. And then the next day I'm going to block out a time to get work done. And that. Yeah, kind of it's stuff. not just one meeting. It's, you know, you go out and you can visit other BNI groups and other networking groups yeah. and, and learn and grow so much. Yeah, it's from, a cool thing. Yeah. Get out, get out, right. Get out of bed, go out, get it done. Another thing he talked about was the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it's about $600 away from being fully funded. And so if you want more information about that, you should go to kickstarter.com and search up how did he pronounce the coffee? Do you remember? Chikanda. Chikandi. Oh my gosh. I'm taking a stab here out of the blue. Chikandi. I should Chikandi. know this. Yes. You should I go to kickstarter.com <laughs> and you should search for Chikandi coffee. C-H-I-K-O-N-D-I. Chikandi. I'm sure we're saying it wrong. We're sorry. Zambia. Yes. Please forgive us. <laughs> But it's really cool if you want to help support that cause. Right now, it's about $500 short. But I think what he was talking about was so cool. They're not just about bringing coffee. They're about bringing sustainability and empowerment. For generational impact. For generational impact. Such a cool thing. Like we joked in the show. I thought that was pretty funny about like, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, some social development. Yeah. International international development. development. Yeah. That's what we're doing. (laughs) We're going to Chili's, then international development. (laughs) And we're going to sneak some, sneak some burgers in the dollar 50 movie. Yeah. Sounds huge and hard, (laughs) difficult to accomplish, but here's your chance to go to Kickstarter and search for Chikandi coffee closer. I'll never know. You're on the way there. You're on the way. You need to be, you need to go there Mm -hmm. physically. The other thing he talked about was meditation as his weapon of choice. And I'm no expert in this field and I'm excited to do this challenge with you. We're going to put it on our calendars and take like 30 days and then we'll talk about what we learned. Um, But I have a little bit of experience with an app that was like the best app in iTunes for a couple years, I think, or maybe just one year, but it's called Calm. And it's a guided meditation app and you can download it and it'll just walk you through and they'll tell you what to do. Like sit here, relax this, do these things. And it sounds whatever, but it is helpful. And like he was saying, it's a bit of a discipline to be worked on. And, and, uh, so I'm excited to jump into that calm. If you haven't done any meditation, you're like, I should do that. Or that was the thing in the challenge this week that you're like, "Ah, I need to meditate. That's going to be such a big challenge for me personally. And tell you, I know how important it is. I've been through meditation and acting classes in New York and it's, it's a big deal. You just really just go through a, uh, a renewing sort of thing. And I have a friend, Bram Baru, Bram Baru out in Santa Monica, California. And he always inspired me in that area. Just it's t- so grounded in, uh, in his thought process and his mind, you know, and, and, uh, and his heart, but this, these, yeah, let's do this. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm challenged. And then, uh, another thing he talked about was his nonprofit called love abounds. And you can find out more information about them on their website, aboundinlove.org. And check out the ways that you can give. They actually have it broken down by projects. So if any of the things that we talked about, like the Chicks Empowered, any of those things kind of resonated with, man, I would love to get involved with that. You can actually go to his website, click on those projects and donate. They have a subscription model where you can be a villager for one to $20 a month, the headman level for 21 to 49 or the chief level for $50 a month. So if that's something that you feel like, man, that's an area I need to be better at giving back is in international development or investing into the empowerment of women or other people. Here's a great organization set up to do just that and to help you accomplish your goals at aboundinlove.org. Aboundinlove.org. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week. Hasta la vista. Powerful stuff. Guys who do stuff.